Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Wednesday, July the 15th, 2020. We are reading from the big book, and we are in the foreword to the second edition, page XVIII, reading the first paragraph in the spring of 1940. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Jessica G., 12 Traditions, Esther F., and readers of the text, Katie G., Judy F., and Wendy M. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, July 14th, 7 a.m. meeting, 14978, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 14980. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery to the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose. Our fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overdose Anonymous. I will now ask Jessica G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. This is Jessica G., compulsive overeater in Central Florida. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service.
Thank you, Jessica G. And Esther F. will read the 12 traditions. Please go ahead, Esther. Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group should ought to be fully self-supporting declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Esther S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the forward to the second edition, page XVIII, the first paragraph in the spring of 1940, and we'll be reading and commenting on that one paragraph only. KDF, sorry, KDG, could you get us started, please? Hey, Lynn. Good morning. This is KDG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. In the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller Jr. gave a dinner for many of his friends, to which he invited AA members to tell their stories. <clears throat> News of this got on the world wires. Inquiries poured in again, and many people went to the bookstores to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous. By March 1941, the member had, membership had shot up 2,000. Then Jack Alexander wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post, 
and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. By the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000 members. The mushrooming process was in full swing. AA had become a national institution. So I'm not a big historian, but thank God I'm open to learning. So I Googled and uh, I learned that Jack Alexander actually wrote two feature articles. So the first one was called Freed Slaves of Drink, Now They Free Others. And, you know, it caused this mushrooming. And, you know, I'm so used to thanking Bill. Um, I was really touched. I read a letter that, that Bill wrote thanking um, Jack Alexander after the first article was written, saying, I wish I could adequately convey to you the sense of gratitude that one of us feels towards you and the Saturday Post for what is about to take place. You could not possibly conceive the direct alleviation of so much misery as will be brought to an end through your pen and your good publishers. And I just, I love, I'm grateful for hearing Bill's gratitude, you know, and, and my prayer is that, um, you know, that AA, that OA too, it talks about AA becoming an institution, that OA can become an institution, that people who are in misery with the food, with their lives, can come to OA and find it and have an, a strong message, right? Have a strong message that um, with all due respect, my problem is not the buildup of human emotions. The book teaches me the problem is lack of power. That is my dilemma. And my solution has to be power, right? And, and I pray that people come to OA um, and they, they find out, you know, what the problem is and what the solution is and how to get out of selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and fear, right? And, um, you know, Bill goes on to talk about how a vital job has to be done. Now that the recovery formula is above ground and working at a prodigious rate, our main problem is maintaining the unity as a movement until every drunk in the world has a good look at the idea. And I just want to talk about the unity that is, um, that is demanded within our OA rooms or that I pray comes, right? There can be so much what my teachers talk about warring theologians, big book thumpers versus not big book thumpers, you know, certain facets of OA versus not certain facets of OA. I love this meeting, A Vision for You, but let us be humble and remember, we're just one meeting. Let us all walk tall and carry a big book, but let me not alienate others, and let me not make assumptions about, you know, if you're overweight, let me not just hand you a pamphlet to OA. Like, let me understand the problem of this solution. Lack of power, the problem of this disease. Lack of power is my dilemma. It's not that I have a weight problem, right? It, it's so much deeper. Food was the, the solution to my problems. And let me unify OA. And finally, I'll just wrap up. Like, we unify one another by sharing what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. What works for me? And whatever works for you that's awesome, let's just get to God. And this book unifies us together. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. The floor is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once. It does help me hear everyone. And although we value your experience, we ask that if you shared yesterday or the day before, that you please step back and let others have their turn. So who would like to share? Linda D. Judy. Judy. F. 
Anyone else? I've got Linda D and Judy F. I'd like to share, please. And your name? John from Charleston. Linda D. Your last name, John? John from Charleston. Yes, and the initial of your last name, please. John M. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, so I have Linda D., Judy F., John M., and I believe, was there another Linda? Vicki V. from New York. Okay, Vicki V. All right, let's go with that lineup then. We have Linda D., Judy F., John M., and Vicki V. Good morning, Linda. Please go ahead. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm Linda D. I'm from Central Connecticut, and I'm so grateful, so heartfelt grateful to be here, uh, to be in recovery. I'm recovered about six and a half years. And I've been in OA um, since I was 38, and I'm 76, so that's half my life. Um, when we started off, it was mentioned about unity. There are a lot of a lot of words that I can use to describe program, and the biggest one is, my God, I'm alive and I'm sane and I'm radiant with God. And that sounds absurd, but it's real. And that's because all of you are there. You presented a big book, and then you lived a big book. And you lived it in love and service, because that's what it takes, in my experience, that's what it takes to get well, to realize something that I didn't know when I came. I came to lose weight like everybody else, and I've lost 150 pounds and kept it off, and that's extraordinary. But I came for this reason. I'm self-destructive. That's why I'm here. My thinking is messed up, and it's grounded in a lot of confusion. So here I found clarity, and I found God. I found a higher power, a word I didn't even want to hear because I thought that's not real. But God showed me that God was real and filled with light for everyone, filled with understanding, with help, with love. So I have to walk it. I want to walk it. I don't know what else to do now except I would die. And I don't want to. Life is worth living. So the unity is we are the same. We're all one. We're one in God. And that means we're connected by love. And I guess that's about it, but I'm so grateful you're there and you're talking to me and you're part of my life. I love you dearly. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, Linda D. And GDF, it's your turn, followed by John M. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. This is Judy F., compulsive overeater recovered in Massachusetts. Um, First of all, I know a little of the history, and 
you know, they had this um, dinner. Really, it was to, um, he wanted to raise money. <laughs> and what we, they learned is um, Rockefeller said that money would spoil this this movement. And that's, I am so grateful because money is one of, um, it can get me powerless. <laughs> my, my, um, I can make my money, my idol, just like I did with the food. So, um, so I'm grateful for that, that that came out about, um, early on. And that's why I think it's lasted 12 step programs have lasted so long. Um, and the mushrooming process, that's what I wanted to focus on this morning. Uh, the mushrooming, when you see mushrooms, I mean, it just, it's not just doubled, but mushrooming means like a hundredfold. And I think of this um, Vision for You OA meeting back, I remember when we moved over and started this meeting back in 2012 on July 18th. Um, you know, there were maybe 30 of us. And now, I mean, it's thousands. It, it's just, and that means that this message has depth and weight, and it, there's um, a message of recovery here. It, it wouldn't be mushrooming. Our meeting wouldn't be mushrooming so much if there weren't people um, becoming recovered and bringing others through the process and recovering, um, and more and more are recovered. And um, and and sponsoring, and there is the the good news is here that um, we have a spiritual solution, and it's through the 12 steps as they're laid out in the big book, very uh, distinct <clears throat> directions that gets us to that power that can relieve us of uh, my compulsive overeating and food addiction. And um, this the end of this month, I'll have 29 years of abstinence, but really the the greatest thing is just i i have such a freedom and i keep more and more my life is getting gets better and better that's why i keep coming and and i get to witness other people getting free recovered leading useful lives and it's it's just um it's mushroomed in my life seeing people um recovered and i'm grateful for that so i'll pass thank you Thank you, Julia. John M., it's your turn, followed by Vicki V. Please go ahead, John. Yes. Um, I've been in OA a couple of years now, and uh, I can't say that I've been a faithful follower of the precepts, but I really need the thoughts and companionship of the people involved. It's a spiritual program, and we have to be patient with ourselves as we grow. And uh, I'm staying with it. Uh, sometimes I get a little bit of abstinence, and then the fear takes over, and I go right back to previous habits. So uh, I just uh, keep praying that one day I'll have it, and uh, it'll stay with me. And I know that day will happen. So in the meantime, I'm grateful for being here. Thanks for listening. Thank you, John M. And Vicki V., it's your turn. Good morning, Vicki. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service and for hearing my name. 
My name is Vicki V from New York. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God today, and I would just love to share my gratitude with all of you for speaking your truth over the last couple of years that I got to listen to intimately, and I got to process uh, with my higher power, who at the time was not working for me. I was in another program. I had a higher power, but I did not understand the depth and weight of what my higher power had to be to help me with something as simple as food. You know, when I, what I first heard was the solution was abstinence. And I'm a strong-willed person. Every single person in my life will tell me, you can do this. You're the strongest person I know. I could not do this. I was on my back deck, on my knees, crying with food in my hands. You know, I could have related myself right out of this program listening to all of you because we're all so different. And we come from different backgrounds and we have different abstinences and different meal plans. And I didn't understand in the beginning, yes, this is what I knew. But now, recovered and working on my emotional sobriety every day without the use of food or alcohol or overacting or drama, without fear and anger, with my focus and all my awarenesses and awakenings and services, they're all through God. Relating to others in this program, newcomers and, and recovered fellows alike, our relatability rel- lies in our powerlessness and finding a higher power that becomes the reason for living, loving, and helping others. You know, today I have, well, not today, today I'm free, but over the last couple of weeks I've had this situation that just has been giving me anxiety for the first time in my life, and I didn't understand it because I wasn't going to God with it. I was writing about it, talking to my fellows and my sponsees, sponsors, trying to find, you know, some relatability in it, but not until I gave it to God and believed that he wanted what was best for me, that his, his desires for me, his plans for me are so much greater than my, my best dreams. And, uh, you know, dealing with life today on life's terms with God in the lead as my boss, as the person an entity that I'm going to follow. Life is infinitely more beautiful than I ever imagined. Thank you. Thank you all. I'm so happy to be walking this journey with you. Thank you so much for letting me share and have a beautiful day. I pass. Thank you, Vicki V. For those of us who might have come on the line a little later, we are studying the forward to the second edition on page XVIII the first paragraph in the spring of 1940. So the line is open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask you to limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So that means if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please, Say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Courtney M. Pamela C. Larry K. Okay, I heard Courtney M. Pamela C. Larry K. Who else would like to share, please? Terry C. Is that Terry C.? Surrey, S-U-R-I, S as in Sam. Thank you. Annette M. 
Annette M. I got you. Thank you, Annette. Oh, thanks. Anyone Carolyn? else? Is that Carolyn? Yes, Carolyn H. Great. Thanks. I've got our lineup. Courtney M. Pamela C. Larry K. Surrey C. Annette M. And Carolyn H. Please go ahead, Courtney. Hi, this is Courtney M. Um, recovered in Southwest Florida. Um, so, you know, I, I've been um, in recovery programs for about five years now, and the, I didn't come directly to OA. I came into a different um, food program. And um, I read the book many times, actually, because part of our checklist was reading two pages of the big book a day. I don't remember reading this forward before. Um, so this is this is a really kind of a treat to hear the history. And um, the thing that that I'm that really struck me from this paragraph today, and and from um, Katie G. Share, uh, which thank you for sharing that. But it's history, Katie. Um, is that that we are not in the outcome business, right? I've heard other people say that. On We lost you, Courtney. Okay, Pamela C., could you start now? Oh, are you there, Courtney? (laughs) Yeah. You can now, thank you. Okay, Um, I don't know where I got cut off. Um, But basically what I was saying was that the the thing that struck me the most in in this paragraph this morning is the idea of doing the next right thing and um, how we, we don't have anything really to do with the outcome. We just kind of have to put one foot in front of the other. And that's what the original, you know, AAs did where they, they, they said, okay, well, you know, let's try this, let's try that. And they went forward in faith and it blossomed beyond their wildest dreams. You know, when they first, in that first forward that we read, uh, you know, recently where they were talking about, you know, it's 100 or so people, and then only a few years later, 8,000. That's amazing. And to me, that, that shows me that um, if we can just stay in the concept of just, I'm just going to do the right thing today and not worry about what that looks like as far as the outcome. I just know that I'm, I'm you know, holding my higher power hand and doing the next great thing. The outcome is probably going to be far better than I could possibly dream of or plan for. Because I have my little plans and schemes, and when I let go of those and, uh, you know, just hold my higher power to hand and do the next right thing, I get way more than I bargained for. And it's, it's beautiful. Um, and I think that's a, a really interesting part of recovery, facet of recovery, is doing the next right thing and, uh, and, and see what happens. Um, and without a test. Thank you, Courtney M. Pamela C., it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Pamela. Press star one to unmute, Pamela. Good morning. Sorry, I think I was double muted there. It's actually Tamara C. 
in Charleston as well. I needed to tune in with my Charleston people. Um, so uh, I'm Pam Monte, a compulsive eater and restrictor. And um, I needed to exercise my voice this morning uh, for various reasons, and one of which is um, this reading uh, brings to mind for me uh, with this party that Rockefeller threw, this um, this kind of opening of a realization of interdependence, uh, how, you know, this disease was one of uh, mystery, uh, hopelessness, um, isolation, no doubt, uh, before, you know, it really became more of a public um, entity with the, the help of these guys, obviously, um, and things like this party. But for me, um, what this speaks to in my program is the necessity for me to put aside my, my own isolation and fear, which comes out often as arrogance and uh, self-reliance, um, and to open myself up to others and speak truth about my own experience, um, even if it doesn't feel uh, like it somehow matches up with everybody else's. Um, I have, you know, I'm very gifted at comparing out. <laughs> it's somehow uh, escaping the... Uh, the um, need for others. And um, I think uh, what, this, what this book teaches me, what these, these um, prefaces teach me um, is about this, this real necessity to just kind of be honest and not just honest with myself or my higher power or my sponsor, but to really open up myself to a much larger entity. Um, and the other word I wanted to hone in on, because this just occurred to me as people were mentioning the word mushrooming, there's a documentary that I had hoped to see, and I'm sure I will at some point about fungi, and how it has this um, really uh, a much larger uh, place in this world than we recognize, but it's all under underground, uh, this massive web network of um, fungi, time, and how, you know, the rest of the world depends on this. I'm sorry, was that time? Yes, please. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, grateful to be here, and thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Tamara C. Larry Kay, it's your turn, followed by Surrey C. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Lynn. Sounds like we have some background noise there. I'm not sure where that's coming from, but uh, in any case, this is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm from Chicago. You know, if I, you know, I think about Unity, and Katie uh, spoke about that, and I, I think about, you know, if OA is going to be around 100 years from now, you know, people are going to have to continue to get well. And, and what does that mean to get well? They're going to have to have a spiritual, <clears throat> a spiritual awakening where, where, where essentially they're brought into alignment with God. 
with the higher power of your own understanding, right? That's what it means to get well in the context of this program. Now, things happen. The, the food beco- you know, becomes morning, neutral. Beth. Good morning, Beth. Um, but so, you know, the spiritual awakening is where we're brought into alignment with God. And, and you know, it reminds me when, when we accept diminished substitutes, we become diminished substitutes. The unity of this it comes only from people gaining access to power. That's the whole purpose of this thing, that we can gain access to a higher power. You know, go, go look for the Oxford group. You won't find it. It was extraordinarily popular back in the day. The Washingtonians, we've heard some of the historians speak about them. You're not going to find them. That was a huge movement. You know, at some point for all of us, it was time, at least for me, it was time to stop hoping and start doing and trusting in this process. That's how this program was built by our co-founders in order to be worked so that we can gain access to higher power. And then all of these different manifestations, for us it's food, for the alcoholic it's alcohol, money, gambling, sex, whatever it is, these are all just manifestations of a deeper disease, the, the spiritual malady. We learn about the spiritual malady. So for me, when I think about Jack Alexander and I think about the movement of how it really grew, and I even see today in 2020 where we see even amidst the, the, the COVID um, you know, situation and you see the Zoom meetings growing and so forth, the thing about it is, is if enough people don't get well, this will be a fad. It will be a trend. And the thing about fads is they, they, they go away. You know, the trends solve problems for a short term, but not for the long run. I'm so grateful that this program has given me access to a higher power. I will always be an imperfect human being, but I'm, I'm set on a way of life, and I get to join, you know, my fellows, my beautiful, wonderful fellows, and I get to, to continue to stay on the beam of re- recovery. What a deal. What a deal that is. So grateful. Thanks, Lynn, for your service. With that, I pass. Thank you, Larry K. Surrey C., it's your turn, followed by Annette M. Please go ahead, Surrey. Hi, this is Surrey C. from Connecticut. Um, wow, uh, this reading, it's so funny because, you know, how could this possibly relate except Surrey, we lost you. Press star one to unmute, Surrey. Hi, sorry. Okay. Here. Um, Yeah, so looking back to 1940, if you think, like, these are friends who invited their friends, people... People's groups were smaller then, and their circle of friends were smaller. You're talking about people who were actively, who took a risk and who actively said, you know, this is my problem. You've seen me at my worst, and now you've seen that something's changed in me, and you wonder what it is, and let me share you what it is. It's something that might seem cultish. It's something that might seem strange, except this is the answer. And what I love about this Visions meeting and about OA meetings in general um, is the humility 
you know, there are people on this line that come here. There are people who do service. There are people just I'm in awe of the structure of the setup of people. Like I just realized that, you know, people are actually maybe if you're starting a meeting at 7 a.m. on the dot, that means that there are people that are in the room before 7 a.m. that are ready and set up. There are people that have prepared for this meeting well in advance of today. There's so much thought, so much care, so much concern, and done with such humility. And I'm just in awe of all the people that do service. Um, and and also, I'm not recovered. I'm not. I'm not there. But I, I'm a voice on this line saying thank you. Thank you for letting me be a voice on this line. Thank you for keeping in mind that people have things to share, but that everybody should get a turn. And and I and while I'm not recovered yet today, I know that it is because just keeping in mind this message, and and knowing that it takes such bravery to say, and to even just pick up the phone, you know, um, the last story in the big book, we don't really focus on the story in this meeting, we do the, you know, but the last story is, you know, AA taught him to handle sobriety, and he says, AA does not teach us how to handle our drinking, it teaches us how to handle sobriety, and that was mind-blowing to me, because there's so many things in my life, so many things in our own lives that don't make sense, right, the only thing that connects us in this room is, is our issues with food, but we all have an overwhelming sense of emotion or uh, an overspilling, and, and it just gets harder, right? The more the more powerless we realize we are, the harder it is. But handling sobriety, this is the message. The message is humility. The message is, is unity. The message is share, give. And, and just the 12 steps, the 12 traditions, the two of them, the structure, this is why this lasts, because it's not about publicity. It's not about me versus you. It's about us and us helping others with what we have wherever we're holding so thank you and i just i pass thank you story c annette m it's your turn followed by carolyn h please go ahead annette hi this is annette m from uh, toronto canada um i'm i'm relatively new to a vision uh, i've been on the calls consistently since the beginning of COVID. And but what I get from this reading is when I hear a name like John D. Rockefeller and I hear, you know, this man brings in, you know, these um these people, these um AAs to hear their message. Um, just by listening, he is you know, this man is carrying the message. And as much as his name is such a um a big name in history, um, we all carry a bit of that um, importance, uh, you know, you can say for better, for worse, um, or that, 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 that audience whenever we share our message of recovery. And um, I, I have to remember that because I, I often um, can shrink uh, myself down. And um, when I carry the message, when I share my truth about recovery, I am carrying the message forward as much as John D was open and, and, you know, cracked the, the whole um, AA uh, big book experience open with that. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Annette M. And Carolyn H, it's your turn. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. And thank you for your service. My name is Carolyn H from Atlanta. I'm just uh, thankful for the program. 
and vision for you, and I'm thankful for um, the people that started uh, OA back in the 1900s. And I just wanted to check in to uh, keep from uh, isolating. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn H. So for those of us who came on the line a little bit later, we're studying the forward to the second edition on page XVIII. And we're in the first paragraph in the spring of 1940. So the line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Beth W. from North Dakota. Jason K. Anyone else? Dana P. Dana P. I got you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Laurel B. Anyone else? Was that Laurel? Laurel? Yes. Yeah. Laurel B. One more. Okay, let's go with this lineup. We have Beth W., Jason K., Dana P., and Laurel B. Good morning, Beth. Hi, good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. This is Beth W. from a Recovered Compulsive Overeater from North Dakota. Um, I was just thinking about John D. Rockefeller and how he was an influencer in the early 1900s and his children, too. They, they affected their community. Uh, people listened to what they said, and I think today about other influencers, people on who have large Twitter followings and um, uh, speak out publicly regularly about different things, whether trivial or important. And it made me think each and every one of us, particularly me today, can be an influencer, someone who can speak out uh, and tell the truth and not live in a lie. And I can do that by showing up in life as a really nice example of the big book and what the big book teaches me. Um, I can be an influencer with each person I encounter today, whether it's in a store, a gas station, at work, with my family or friends. I can be an influencer just like I may not have the stage, the world stage that John D. Rockefeller did. I may not be able to throw big and lavish parties like he did. But in all my actions, I can spread the message. That's all I have, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Beth W. And Jason K., it's your turn. Good morning, Jason. 
Good morning. It's Jason Kay, Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic from outside of Philadelphia. And Bill's taking some time in these forwards to tell us a story. So he's telling us a history. And sometimes when I'm looking at a story and a history, I'm asking myself, what is the purpose? Uh, Bill Wilson, for me, he's telling us over and over again how, you know, in the past paragraph, the time came to put our message in a book to codify it and to put it down in writing. Uh, and, and it was time to grow. And I think his message is, is one of hope and inspiration that he's saying this small uh, fledgling group of the first 100 and, and, and Bill and Bob uh, started to grow with help from influential people and positive influences and that we're now getting this ballooning, uh, you know, factor and the numbers are increasing in the hundreds and hundreds and into the thousands. And for me, he's telling this history for a reason. This is a, this is our fellowship. This is what we have. We we fledged, We were a fledgling fellowship, and now we've grown. We've expanded. Those tentacles have uh, spread. They've reached into this Overeaters Anonymous, you know, because Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob sat and talked uh, way back in the 1930s. We're here today thinking about living a 12-step life today. So for me, looking at this history, I get this appreciation. We have this thing this thing that, you know, was nurtured, that was supported from many different influencers. Dr. Silkworth came in, non-alcoholic. Um, we're getting all sorts of help from all sorts of people to have this thing here today. And for me, it gives me a deep appreciation for this thing that we have and how can we nurture it? How can we grow it? How can we continue? Um, you know, can we have forward uh, in, in next editions that say it's grown even more? There's a healthy, vibrant uh, society, uh, you know, and how do we get that? We come here, we study the book, we stick to the literature, we talk recovery, and we can claim that we're recovered today. Um, so uh, that's what it gives for me. That's what this history means to me. Uh, and I love studying the history, and I love our historians on the line that can give us some of that context and background. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jason K. Dana P., it's your turn, followed by Laurel B. Please go ahead, Dana. Thank you, Dana P. Here, compulsive overeater. Um, I was just thinking about, wow, it's 80 years, 80 years since that book was written. And it started out before that. Um, one of the things, um, and some people have mentioned about the mushrooming, um, what I know about mushrooms is that the majority um, of that organism is underground and when the mushroom comes up it shoots out spores thousands of them in a circular pattern and new mushrooms grow in the circle in the circle and then those new mushrooms send out more spores and that underground keeps on growing exponentially and when the book was published, you know, I don't know a lot about the history, and I'm fairly new to the program, but I'm so in awe and gratitude um, of the people that took the risk to do this, um, to set this book out, um, and the parties. And I was thinking about, well, it must have been a sober party. <laughs> I wonder what they were all doing with food. It's just so interesting to me, um, the growth of it, and... 8,000 people, that's about where um, vision is now, and not to mention all the other 
OA groups that are using this amazing and beautiful book. Um, with that, I will pass. Thank you, Dana P. And Laurel B., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Laurel. Hi, this is Laurel B. from Chicago, Illinois, Recovered. Um, thank you for your service. I really appreciate it. Um, I just want to say in the case of the Rockefeller gathering, it might not have been an intentional promotion to get that kind of publicity in the restraints of an anonymous organization would be next to impossible without divine intervention. So I was just thinking to myself how, um, how divine in- intervention played a role. If it was just that one thing, you could call it a coincidence. But in the scope of the entire story of Alcoholic Anonymous and how it came to be, you can't help but think that there is more going on there than just a bunch of fortunate circumstances. The way Alcoholics Anonymous came to be, it's just an amazing story to me, and I appreciate all the history. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Laurel B. We still have time for a couple of shares. Would anybody like the thought? Hi, I'm Diane. Okay, I heard Diane, and I heard somebody before Diane, and then I heard Harlan. I'm Gusty N. I was before Diane. Betsy. Okay, Betsy, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Gusty and uh, Recovered by the Grace of God One Day at a Time in West Virginia. And I, um, I'm i a little hesitant to share this, but I feel like I need to. But um, I'm really glad to hear the history of um, the early founders of AA going to John D. Rockefeller and uh, seeking money and then it, or having it having him turn them down and say that that would ruin the movement. It sure would have ruined the movement for me. Um, I live in a part of the country that is still experiencing the negative effects of how he earned his money. And it's so powerful to me to hear that this movement um, is this is part of how the movement became self-funding and made the decision in the tradition not to accept outside money because that could corrupt the movement. It it sure would have corrupted the movement for me. So um, I really feel like it is divinely inspired that um, this conversation happened this morning. Normally I just skip over that paragraph in the book, but to hear um, everyone share from the history and and uh, and deeper into the conversations that happened on in that party has meant a great deal to me. And again, I just share my gratitude to the founder who decided not to accept outside money. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Dusty and Diane. It's your turn. And can we have the initial of your last name, please? And I'm Diane in. From Metro Atlanta, I'm a um, recovered compulsive overeater by God's grace for today. And I just want to claim my seat and to say that I am so, so grateful to learn the history of this program and to see if we do what they did, 
will get what they get, you know, what they had. And that's what I want. I want to be able to work this program by God's grace to the best of my ability. And um, I'm out walking as a part of taking care of myself today. We're in the middle of COVID, of this this virus, and I'm taking care of myself, working my program, following the directions, and it's working for me. Thanks for letting me share, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Diane. And Harlan G., you'll be our last share this morning. Good morning, Thank Harlan. You, Lynn. Good morning, Lynn. I'm Harlan G., Scottsdale, Arizona, where we're sweltering down here. Willard Richardson. Willard Richardson was an uncle of a guy, of a girl that Leonard Strong knew from grammar school. Who was Leonard Strong? He was married to Dorothy Wilson. Dorothy was Bill's sister, and Bill went to Dr. Strong's office in Yonkers, New York, and he was complaining about the book not selling, and they needed money, blah, blah, blah. And Leonard Strong said, now listen to how thin this is. Listen to how flimsy this is. I knew a girl, and I think she had an uncle. I knew a girl, and I think she had an uncle. So he gets Willard Richardson on the phone, and Willard Richardson says, yes, my boy, I remember you. Why don't you come down to New York with this Mr. Wilson? I'd love to see you. And they have lunch with Willard Richardson, and he hooks him up with Rockefeller, who was vehemently against drinking. And Rockefeller has the dinner for them, and some of them told their stories. And Silkworth was there, and Dr. Bob came in from Akron. Now, let's take something, because I only have three minutes. Let's take something and put it into context here. Jack Alexander was not a reporter. He was an investigative reporter. He was not snooping around AA to see what was right about it. He was snooping around AA to find out what's the scam, what's the rub, what's the scam. And he couldn't find one. He gets to Akron and he starts asking about this Dr. Bob. And the only information he can get is the guy's a good guy, but he's drunk all the time. And he goes to some Oxford group meetings. He goes to some AA meetings and he finds out that there's no dues or fees for membership. He finds out that we're fully self-supporting. This is even before the traditions were written. The traditions didn't come out for another, another uh, 12 years, 10 years, I'm sorry, 10 years. And he finds that this organization is altruistic, and he writes these glowing articles, two of them, as KDG pointed out. And this is what turned the corner. He didn't write about the scam. He wrote about the glory and the recoveries that he saw, and the hope in the faces of the men and their families. Remember that this was at a time when people would bring their families. He wrote about this, and it got the attention of the people. See, had Jack Alexander been the type of reporter that wrote glowing reviews of everything, it might not have gotten their attention. But Jack Alexander was an investigative reporter saying to people, I found nothing wrong here. And they started to come in and they started to come in and it started to turn a major corner. Rockefeller did give Bill and Bob $5,000 each and they used it to pay their mortgage and so on. However, 
we are the only organization that paid them back. We paid back as an organization in AA every dime that Rockefeller shelled out. So it did not become a gift. We did not accept outside donation. We paid it back. It became a loan. And the rest is part of the history. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Wednesday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Wednesday, July the 15th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 14987. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Judy F. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Lynn. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.